0: Well, good morning. It's great to see each of you this morning. And um, for some reason, Ty's jacket—that maroon jacket—just looks especially good this morning. I don't know why that is, but uh, unless you, you gig them, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it was a it was a good night last night for some of us, and then and then it is always a good morning to be here with each of you. Now. If you were like me ever, um, my parents were not necessarily helicopter parents. If you know what a helicopter parent is, that's, uh, the parent that, that's always watching where the, where their kids were and, and they can't leave them. But my parent, ooh, here we go. Got a hot mic here. All right. My parents were, uh, willing to, to, uh, to leave their four kids alone on some nights. And basically, I'm 10 years uh, different from my brother. So my brother actually was a teenager. So I guess he wasn't. A, they, they weren't necessarily teens but or, or kids, but, you know, kid enough. But they left all four of us alone on Friday nights every now and again to go and play dominoes. They had a big group of uh, of folks from our church down in Houston, and they would play Texas 42 with them. And so if you're a 42 player, you can say, yeah, that, that's, I'll leave the kids alone for, for that. But when the kids are alone, uh, you know, goofy things happen. Kids will go and they'll start uh, looking at things like that. That probably is someone like me with, except I had a lot more blonde hair. Um, but going into the refrigerator, getting stuff. Here we go. <laughs> How we get? Where's? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what better way to have kids alone? there you go up here with me nice <laughs> so we we would we would uh do do whatever kids would do. We had a staircase at my house and we would grab the pillows and we would slide down the stairs on the on these pillows or sleeping bags or whatever, having lots of fun, but my parents to try to make sure that we wouldn't get into too much trouble, they gave us chores well while we were while they were gone and uh, there were 6 of us in the house so one of the biggest chores and probably the main chore was to fold laundry and uh, laundry is a never ending a uh, horrible horrible task that we have in our life. And so that was part of it, but we weren't we didn't want to fold laundry yet. We wanted to do sleeping bag races. We wanted to uh drink the chocolate from the from the refrigerator, whatever the case might be. But then it was getting time cuz we didn't know mom and dad could be coming home anytime soon and we folded a lick of laundry. And so then we start blaming each other that each other they weren't holding up their end of the bargain, and we'd get in fights and little squabbles—not real big things—but we would we would uh, start start uh, saying that I'm going to say it was your fault, you're going to say it was my fault that we that we weren't doing the stuff, but we knew mom and dad are coming, right? And if they came and we didn't have everything done we'd be in trouble. I don't think we'd ever be in trouble because I doubt we got it done too well. And I don't remember ever getting in trouble too much. But it, but it was always on the forefront of our mind that we got to get it done because mom and dad are coming home soon. And so we sit here and we've been talking about Jesus coming. And until he comes. And are we really ready for Jesus to get here? Or... Do we look at it like it's going to be no time soon, and so we spend time doing sleeping bag races down the stairs, or do we live in anticipation, and are we ready for him to return? What's going on with the Thessalonians is they were ready for Jesus to come. And when Paul taught his message to the Thessalonians, when Paul went and brought that message to the Thessalonians, it had been uh, anywhere between 15 and 20 years since Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The Thessalonians probably got to meet people that were eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry and Jesus being raised from the dead. They thought at any moment Jesus was going to be coming. And matter of fact, they thought that any moment he's going to be coming. So they were ready and they were on fire for Jesus. And as you as we read through this letter, we see that the Thessalonian church is ready and they're living a good life. And what Paul has told them until he comes was that they should leave a good impression with the people around them. And they were doing that all of Greece. Basically, he said were they were telling the message to he told them they should love each other like brothers and sisters in Christ, like a family and they were doing that he told them that they should live these pure lives and they were doing a good job doing that and he told them that when things went wrong they were supposed to refocus and redirect and continue to follow him and they were doing that so they were doing lots of great things but some of them thought if jesus is coming and if jesus is coming soon why should we be doing anything else? All we should be doing is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and in a sense, that sounds like an incredible thing to do. And they were doing great things. And so one of, some of the people were thinking, why do we even have jobs? Let's just sit and let's wait and let's proclaim the good news of Jesus. And we don't have to work. We don't have to do anything because he's coming soon. Well, the difference between us and the Thessalonians is it's been 2,000 years. And this anticipation that the Thessalonian church had that they were ready for him to come right then, and us, is it's a little bit different. Right now, we might think, I don't know if Jesus is going to come anytime soon. Maybe my mindset is that I'm going to die and then that's whenever I get to be with Jesus. But a lot of times, because of the time that has gone by, because to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day, we don't know when He's coming. And so maybe our anticipation of is going to come anytime soon. Maybe that makes it to where we're not ready. But for the Thessalonians, they were ready and they wanted to just sit there And wait for His return. But Paul wants them to realize that while they're waiting for Jesus, they still have tasks that they need to do in this world. They still have a life that they need to live in this world. And they still need to be able to take care of each other and be a family and do all these things until He comes. And he doesn't want them to be a burden on the rest of society while they're waiting for Jesus. In Thessalonians chapter four, verse 11, it says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business, work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect out of the, of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Right here he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Now that can be translated in two different ways. It could be translated into a quiet life, meaning that you're not getting into your neighbor's business. You're, you're going and keeping your head to the plow and you're just doing, doing your job and you're not, you're not, uh, having any arguments with folks. Or it could also be interpreted as make it your ambition to lead a restful life. Both definitions work in there whenever you're translating the Greek. Uh, it, It could mean make it your ambition to lead a restful life. And one of the things I think Paul is saying here and I think a quiet life might mean is that you're living a peaceful life. A life that means that you're not just breaking your back and you're missing out on all the things, all the good, wonderful things of this world. Sometimes... Uh, we, we elevate this idea of being a workaholic as something that is so incredible. And it's admirable when people put good worth, have good, when people have good worth ethics. And we want good worth ethics. But sometimes when we work so hard that we let life pass by, we're not around for our family. We're not around for our church. We're not able to fit anything else in because we are living such a busy life. I don't think that's what God wants from us. I think God has given us this life and He's given us this life to sit and enjoy and experience and have a good time, have an abundant life while we're here. Matter of fact, when Paul's talking about life here on earth, Sometimes what we what we do is we we might get we might think that uh, that life is all about living until we die so we can go to heaven. But there's a whole lot more that's happening here on this earth. And if we just live until we get to heaven and that's all we're thinking about that, that 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 matters in life, then we might have missed the whole point. Obviously, that's the that's the pinnacle. That's where we want to go. But we have some incredible things to do while we're here. And so Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, he says, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. And then down to 25, it says, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. So Paul is, is, is saying to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So even if I die, it's going to be so much better. It's a, it's a better thing when I go on to heaven. But to live, we get to live with Christ in us, meaning we get to have that love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to have that love of family. We get to have that joy of life. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing that we have down here on this earth now. We've got bumps and we've got bruises and we've got things that we're going to struggle with. But we're going to go to perfection and all these relationships that we make while we're here on this earth, all these experiences that we have. We get to grow and we get to see. The comparison and contrast of a life of perfection and the joy that we had while we're down here. And sometimes I think about life and I think about uh, about if, if we're just going to a destination, if we just miss out on all the wonderful experiences that God has made for us here. It's a lot like uh, the time that my family, we went on a cruise and this was uh, Sydney uh, and Dane's first cruise to go with with our family. And and our folks took our whole family up and we went to uh, Alaska. It was it was a, an incredible cruise. It was a very nice of. My folks to 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 take the family to that, and Sydney as she got on the boat she and we're sitting in the in our cabin. She says, "All right, so when does vacation begin?" I said, "Well, this it is we are we have we have gotten here." She said, "No, no, no. Where are we going?" I said, "Well, we're going to certain places, and that's going to be fun. But this is the vacation. This is part of it." And she says, "I'm just ready to get there." <laughs> And sometimes we're, we could live like that. We're just ready to get there. We're, we're missing all the wonderful buffets and all the fun things that, that are happening on the boat. But we're supposed to, part of a cruise is you're supposed to enjoy the whole experience and you also enjoy where you're going. And where you're going is going to be the pinnacle, is going to be the awesome thing. But in life, we're supposed to enjoy this life, it's not always going to be perfect. The seas are going to be rocky sometimes. But we're supposed to enjoy this life. And the Thessalonians uh, were, were needing to know that they were to enjoy the life, but eventually wait for God. And he didn't say just leave a peaceful life and don't do anything, because if they did that, they're going to be a burden on their friends, they're gonna be a burden on their family, they're gonna be a burden on their church, they're gonna be a burden on their government. And so he says, work with your hands. Mind your own business, live a peaceful life, mind your own business, and work with your hands. So, yes, you are supposed to work. You're not supposed to be a burden on your family, you're not supposed to be a burden on your on your friends, you're not supposed to be a burden on your government, you're supposed to be a good citizen. You're supposed to work Don't work so much that you miss everything. But make sure you work. You take care of what needs to be taken care of. Where the Thessalonians were nervous though was what happens if they died? And does God, when He returns, when Jesus Christ returns, is He going to take the dead with Him? Or the dead lost forever? And to understand what's going on in the Thessalonians mind, you got to understand Greek culture. And most of us uh, probably did Greek mythology, right? Whenever whenever uh, y'all were going through school and maybe you've heard some of these stories, the, the this Greek mythology. Well, we call it mythology. But then they believed these things. They believed in these false gods. And so their mindset believes in these false gods. And the problem with these false gods that they believed in was they were pretty cruel gods. The stories that they would hurt that they would hear were pretty cruel. And matter of fact, the afterlife was nothing that you'd really want to experience. Based on what Greek mythology was or what the Greeks at that time believed, they believed that when you died, the god Hermes would take your body and he would basically erase all your memories of this earth. And then you would come to a fork in the road and you would meet with these three judges and these judges would judge you based on if you offended the gods or not. This is what they grew up believing. And the gods were not very forgiving and if you offended the gods, they would send you away to some sort of cruel punishment. If you remember any of Greek mythology, the punishments that they would send, uh, two of them, them that, made, that made sense were, that, that, were, that, were, that were memorable to me Was a story of a man named Sisyphus who tried to trick the gods and he became immortal. So the gods, what they did to him was they chained him up to this rock and he was supposed to roll a big boulder up a hill but every time he got up to the top of the hill the boulder would roll right back down and he was supposed to spend eternity doing that same hard meaningless task and then there was the 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 myth of of a man named tantalus who was the king of uh who was the king of corinth i think i got that background sisyphus was the king of corinth tantalus was another guy and one of the things that Tantalus did was he tried to trick the gods at a banquet. And what happened was they got upset with him and so he spent the rest of his eternity hungry and thirsty, but he was chained in the water to his neck. And when he'd go down to get a drink, the water would go down so he could never quench his thirst. And there was fruit hanging on trees and when he reached out to the trees, the wind would blow the fruit away from his hands and he'd spend all of eternity, thirsting and hungering, but never being able to fulfill that. Now we know these as myths, but the Greeks at the time, they, their view of the afterlife, of the underworld, was nothing to be excited about. At best, you would have gone and you would have sat at a, at a, on a hill and you got to, to, to experience life where the sun never set but you don't remember anything that happened in this world. It was a scary thing for them. And death is very scary for all of us. We might not have that same mindset of this Greek mythology, but death is scary because there's so much unknown. And what Paul tries to do with this part of the letter, he tries to tell the Thessalonians, and for us now, the death is nothing that we need to be scared of. Death is going to be a part of, of our life here on this Earth, but is nothing we need to be scared of. In Thessalonians chapter four verse 13, it says, "Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope." What he's saying right here is, we don't want you to be uninformed. We want you to know about what's about, what's going to happen to you and what's going to happen to us while we wait for Jesus to return. And what does he call death? What does he say for those who are in Christ that pass away? He equates it with sleeping, right? He equates it with something as, as, uh, as peaceful and wonderful as sleep. I know when I was a little kid, I probably didn't like to go to sleep, but now I like it a whole lot more, right? And what's so great about sleep? Sleep means that you get rested and you wake up and you're renewed and refreshed and ready to face another day. All of us woke up this morning and we woke up and we're ready for another day. Hopefully you woke up refreshed or you woke up renewed. You had a good night's sleep. And that's what I think Paul is making sure we understand that those who have passed on, it's nothing to be scared of. They're basically asleep. Now, all of mankind, the people, all, especially the, the culture around them, the Greeks, they thought that, that there was no hope after they died, no hope at all. They were going to go t- be taken to the underworld, and it was scary. And what Paul wants them to understand is we don't have to grieve like those with no hope. Do we grieve when we lose someone? Yes, that's that's part of life because we're separated from them. And that's okay, but we don't have to grieve like those with no hope. And so those of us that have lost loved ones, and most of us probably have lost someone, those of us that have, have lost someone that was in Christ, there's hope. There's hope. And it's basically that they're asleep, something peaceful, something gentle. And so we're going to look at what that looks like to be asleep in Christ. In verse 14, it says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, Jesus. Experienced death, and he experienced the the penalty of sin and death. When it talks about Jesus dying, it doesn't say that he fell asleep. It says that he died. And if you read some things from from Peter, it talks about him going into into uh, Hades, and and it just it's strange. We don't really know what exactly happened with Jesus, but he experienced the pain of death, the separation of God. But our Almighty God resurrected him from the dead and he lives. And because he took on that death, all we have to take on is sleep. Is to be asleep. And where are those that are asleep? I like that it says, says right here in verse 14, it says he will bring, Jesus will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So where are those that are asleep in Christ? It looks to me, what Paul's saying is, they're with Jesus. They're with Jesus. They've closed their eyes. They open their eyes. They're refreshed. They're renewed. And they're with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And how wonderful is that? And how special is that? And and the writer of Hebrews talks a little bit more about those that have gone on before us. And he tells us a little bit about them when he talks about the heroes of faith. And all of those that have gone on before us, and in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. So they're with Jesus, it looks like, but they haven't received their full promise. Why? Because they're waiting for us to join them. I love how it says that. So that to only together with us they will be made perfect, and there will be a time when those that are asleep in Christ will be met up with us in this world right now. If Jesus comes, or if we're asleep, and 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 we'll meet up with those that that are that are alive, and when He returns, and we will all be made perfect together. And so, if we're going to be made perfect together, what it says for us that are on this earth, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so I love this image that we have those that have gone on before us and they're with Jesus. And they're cheering us on and they're encouraging us and they're waiting to be joined with us when Jesus comes again. And that is that an encouraging thought that those that we love are safe? And they're living this peaceful life and they're, they're, they're watching with Jesus and they're, they're witnesses of all the wonderful things Christ has done and together we'll be made perfect. In verse 15, it says, according to the Lord's Word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. One of the things that we see here is when Christ returns, there's going to be no missing it. He lists three different ways that, that that we're gonna we're gonna hear it. It says, A loud command will come from heaven, the voice of the archangel will shout out, and the trumpet call of the Lord, the trumpet call of God will sound. There will be no missing it. There's there's uh there's thoughts that, that, that people are left behind and and uh someone will not know what happened. But it doesn't sound like that whenever we read this. It sounds like everyone will be able to see when God comes, when Christ returns. We'll all know it. We'll see it. We'll hear it. It'll be a wonderful thing. I remember this past summer, there was a meteor that that went down somewhere over Texas. And I remember looking on Facebook and people all over the state were talking about, did you see that in the sky? Did you see that in the sky? And it was all the way from, from West Texas or the Panhandle, I remember seeing people talk about that, over into Arkansas. And they saw this streak across the sky. And that's kind of amazing that that much ground could be seen by something so little that I don't even think they. it probably ended up becoming nothing by the time it, it, it landed or it probably evaporated in the atmosphere. But when God comes, it'll be much greater than that, and we will all know, we will all see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, that makes sense. They've had to go through through this uh, sleeping process, and if it, if it looks like they're already with Him, that's that's a wonderful thing. And Jesus even tells us he, Jesus wants to, us to make sure. But those that are asleep, those that have passed on, are not going to miss out on this joy. Matter of fact, in John chapter 5, verse 25, it says, And I assure you that a time is coming, indeed it's now here, when the dead will hear My voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God. All of God's children... Will be able to hear him. No one will be left behind that's put their faith and put their trust in the Lord, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it says in verse seventeen: After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord, with the Lord, forever. Can you imagine this image? of we're going to be taken up into the sky. We're going to go up into the clouds. And who will we meet? We'll meet all of those. All of our loved ones. Everyone that that has put their their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ will meet them in the air. And together, we're going to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ forever. And from there, we'll go to His Father's house He's prepared this incredible mansion. He's given it, has a room prepared for us, and we will go there and we will enjoy life with the Father and with all of our loved ones. And I love how he says it. Together we'll do it. Paul wants the Thessalonians and he wants us right now to understand that we can have a hope that we're going to be okay, that death is not scary, death is but mere sleep and jesus is going to take care of us and so we have to live this life with that hope peter says it in first peter chapter 1 verse 13 therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when jesus christ is revealed at his coming set your hope in jesus christ returning And bringing us all in together. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called. His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. We have a hope to be part of God's family. He's not going to leave us behind. And so what do we do with that information? To know that we have this hope in Christ Jesus, the hope of His return, the hope that we will be with our loved ones, the hope that we will not be left behind, but we will be taken with Him. He tells them in verse 18, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Make sure people know these incredible words. This is good news. This is the good news of Jesus Christ that He died, that He was raised, and that He is coming back and we will be brought back with Him. And we will experience that hope of eternal life with Him. That's good news to me. And I hope that's good news to you. And you can experience that. You can experience that hope. You just need to put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus Christ. You need to be baptized into His death so that you can be raised in His resurrection. And you will never miss out on that wonderful hope when Jesus returns. What a glorious day that will be. If you want to be baptized or if you have any other prayers of the church, please come while we stand and sing.